Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is a recording of the Key Row Film Society. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and uh, this episode is going to be a bit of a potpourri episode, a variety of themes. And as you heard from the beginning of that the episode, you heard the theme from the 1990s X-Men the Animated Series. And that is kind of set forward some of the theme today. Uh, we're going to be talking about... Um, I'm going to talk about Wizard World, which I went to this last week, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm also going to talk about the most recent Rift Tracks Live. I'm going to talk a little bit about the news of Captain America. Uh, two movies I've seen in theaters uh, was Nice Skies and X-Men Apocalypse. I'm going to talk about that. And then also going to look into the... And then the main movie of the podcast is going to be the movie The Way Way Back. And so, with all that in mind, let's jump right into it. And so we begin to look back to um, Wizard World Des Moines, which is the one I went to uh, back on the a couple weeks ago. With that, I'm going to... As we segue into that, I'm going to play a little clip from KCCI, uh, the local Des Moines station, uh, talking about what happened. Wizard World, those head-turning characters are the customers. A way to live out your fantasies. The usual suspects are always well represented, which is why something new is so appreciated. <laughs> This velociraptor from the movie Jurassic World was the talk of Wizard World's opening night at Hy-Vee Hall. It looks like it's real. It looks real to you? Yeah. Did you go up and touch it? <laughs> Maybe. No. Everyone was wondering about the guy inside. Almost everyone. You didn't know there was someone in there? No, really. I thought it was robotic. <laughs> but we should not assume. Yeah? It's an awesome costume. Thank you. The woman inside is also the inventor of this giant foam, silicone, and nylon creation. She even molded her own dino teeth. And this is just the pulley system for the jaw. So I pull that and the jaw will open and close. Jocelyn Adair couldn't shuffle more than 10 feet without being surrounded. Awesome. She and her boyfriend started building it in October using online how-to videos and over $1,000 in materials and electronic components. There are fans inside, handlebars for the head, even a camera hooked up to a tablet to see out. And then there's that call of the wild. It's just amazing. I, it's so worth building a big costume and just to see people's reactions. It's, it's priceless. Not everyone was a fan, but Jocelyn probably had more fun than you did tonight. I just really like to impress people and, you know, get their reaction. And Mission accomplished. <coughs> All right, so <clears throat> that was just a little news report from KCCI about a costume that somebody made out of a, of a, a velociraptor. Um, anyways, I actually went there just on Sunday... Um, I, I intended to go there all three days. I had a VIP pass, but things went on in my life personally that made me um, unable to make it to days one and two. But I was able to make it for day three, and it was a good day. Uh, uh, Wizard World continues to be a fun thing for the city of Des Moines because Des Moines really doesn't have a lot of stuff going on in it. You know, um, I grew up in Ankeny for most for much of my life. And we never had anything, any type of 
I mean, there's an icon, I know, that's there. But they always struggle to bring people in. And, and I understand why Wizard World could do what it does. Because Wizard World has connections. Uh, Wizard World is born out of that... Out of the Wizard magazine. Or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Uh, but... And it's had that Chicago convention for so long, which is for the longest time, what for a long time was one of the was one of the biggest conventions in the country, and it still is one of the bigger ones. But and so for that reason, Wizard World has connections that Icon doesn't have. Icon's a good thing to have, so it gives us a second thing. I think it's now there's a Midwest Comic Con or whatever it's called uh, that's in November. Uh, but I like this event. I got a signature from Kevin Conroy who's the voice of Batman and I got to visit meet uh Chloe Bennett who plays um who's from the show Agents of Shield I got to make Nicholas Brendan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer I got to sit in and listen to him talk and talk about his what his life has been like since and his career and there's a lot of good things you know going on there the the, the actors were really good. They were very nice, friendly. Um, got to talk with some other people. Uh, Talked to a couple girls who had this had a really nice dress-up as the Frozen characters. Uh, like I said, it was a, you know, it was a pretty fun, <coughs> enjoyable little experience. I look forward to whatever we have next year. Uh, keep supporting. I'm hoping to keep supporting. If you live in the Des Moines area... Uh, you live in the state of Iowa, come out to it next year. Uh, they're keeping Des Moines on the list, and that says something, because Madison's been dropped from their list. Uh, Minneapolis isn't on their list anymore. Uh, I think I might have seen... I'm not sure St. Louis is on there anymore, um, which I'd be kind of surprised. Is Minne- the, the St. Louis one's usually pretty decent. But basically, for what I understand, they've had some major financial issues uh, over recent years. And so, no, St. Louis is still on the list next year, so my bad. But last, this year, there were, I mean, they tried to do just mass numbers of Wizard Worlds. And um, I don't know exactly how many they had for 2015-16, but they definitely dropped it off. And so... um, It's quite honorable, it's quite an honor when you realize that Des Moines is still on the list, uh, even after, you know, after Minneapolis has been dropped, after Madison's been dropped, uh, as far, and some other places have been dropped, so, uh, hopefully next time they get a, they bring a bigger show, but seriously, Des Moines, keep supporting it, we don't want to be the next city that gets dropped, and Wizard World, I hope they bring a better, better list of people. Uh, a bigger list, I should say. Because one of the that was one of the disappointments this year. And I understand there's some background issues in uh, going on with the Wizard World as a company that caused this problem. Um, and I'm assuming the reason all these conventions are dropping is they can't afford them. But seriously, bring some more. Because I looked at that convention center. I looked at that floor. There was definitely space uh, for several other, um, you know, celebrities or whatever. Uh, I mean, last year they had William Shatner. And so we didn't have anybody on that, le- on that level. I mean, I love Kevin Conroy because I love Batman the Animated Series. 
But really, we had nothing on that level. Maybe Dean Ambrose, because pro wrestling is really popular. Speaking of the pro wrestlers, one thing that bugs me with them is they're always only one day at every convention, it seems. They never seem to be there more than that. But, you know, not a big deal. But So that's kind of my little view on Wizard World. It was a fun event. Uh, look forward again next year. And I would love one year to go to the Chicago one, which if you do not know, Chicago is like the granddaddy of them all. It is the biggest of the uh, comic, of the Wizard Worlds. Um, it's the original one. Um, I'd love to go there um, someday. Uh, this year, for example, uh, for those of you who live in the Chicago area, here's some of the guests that they'll have there. Uh, let's see here. Pulling up their website, my internet's acting goofy. Okay, we got uh, Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil, Norman Reedus. Uh, so Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead. Here, I'll just say the characters are best known for. Uh, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier uh, from the Captain America movies. Uh, Mulder, Fox Mulder from The X-Files. Um, Karen Page from Daredevil. Claire Temple from Daredevil. Uh, the actor of Luke Cage, uh, the actor of Elektra from the Daredevil show, the actor of Foggy Nelson, the actor of The Punisher, and uh, also a guy from The Walking Dead. He played uh, uh, played Shane. Um, let's see, Bruce Campbell's going to be there. Christian Kane, who he was on Angel. Frank Thomas, the baseball player. Uh, Jason Mewes from Jay and Silent Bob. He's Jay. So, I mean, just going through this list, there's a whole huge list of really big names that, at that event. And I would have loved to have been there. Um, I'd love to go to this one, but it's not in the cards for me because I went to this one in Des Moines. But and I'd love to go to San Diego someday, but until we're able to go to those big, huge events... It is great for Des Moines to have something like this. And seriously, if you live in Des Moines, support it. This is the only way Iowa can keep things, these type of things going. All right. Uh, so with that, uh, that one, uh, we're going to move on to uh, Riff Tracks Live. About a week ago, I went to Riff Tracks li Live. On, it was uh, Riff Tracks Live's uh, Time Chasers uh, was the name of the show. Or the film, or whatever it's called. Actually, it's May 17th when I saw it. So, uh, here is the um, the recording. Here's a little trailer for that. It's time for this May comes a flick so deliciously cheesy. On, They're coming back for seconds. You wanna fly? Let's fly! Welcome to Psychotic Flight School. Join Michael J. Nelson, Kevin Murphy, and Bill Corbett live for the sci-fi classic Time Chasers. Suck it, Mike. Get some more wheels, you nerds. Rift Live, May 5th, with a special rebroadcast May 17th. Tickets on sale now at FathomEvents.com. All right, so there's a very brief uh, clip. Uh, Rift Tracks, if you, none of you are familiar with Rift Tracks... Uh, Rift Tracks is this, this group of guys, three guys, uh, Michael Nelson, Bill Corbett, and uh, 
And Kevin Murphy, sorry, that was the last one. Uh, Kevin Murphy. So those three guys, they're from the old show, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, what these, these guys do is they ha have these movies that are playing. So, for example, the one that they did this past, um, you know, a couple back on the 17th that I went to, uh, the one that they did was... Uh, the movie Time Chasers, which was a really cheesy time-traveling movie. And um, they watch these movies and they just rip on them. It's, they basically create their own mock commentary for various movies, sometimes bad movies. Sometimes they even do good ones uh, that you can download off of their the Rift Tracks website. Uh, so, for example, they've done like, I mean, they've done like The Dark Knight. Uh, they've done all the Star Wars movies. Uh, things like that. They probably won't ever... I don't imagine them ever doing something like the Schindler's List or, you know, the Passion of the Christ because that would be very um, offensive to do either of those just because of the serious nature of the films. But they do just about anything. And and it's hilarious. They make these... They say their slogan is, uh, we don't make movies, we make fun of them. And so uh, last... On the 17th, May 17th, I went to... Uh, time track, time chasers, uh, riff tracks live. Uh, it was an enjoyable. Uh, it was funny and uh, as always. But I should note as the reason I brought this in is just as a note for those of you who don't know, there's going to be another riff tracks live that's coming up uh, next month. Uh, it's June. Let's see here. And I'm going actually to the the absolutely live version of this. Um, it is going to be on June 28th. It's the MST3K reunion show. So Mystery Science Theater 3000 reunion show. The live show in Minneapolis is completely sold out. Fortunately, I got my tickets and I'm going to be able to go. Um, but you can still see it at any theater around the country. In each well, any theater that ha does the, um, the satellite thing. Um, so typically your Century Cinemas, uh, some Carmikes will have it, some AMCs. But basically, just go online and just search it out. Uh, go check it out. You won't regret it. It's hilarious, hilarious stuff. Uh, I don't think there's many movies that make me laugh the way the Rift Tracks does. So, uh, just a heads up on that. I went, like I said, the May 17th one was good. The June 28th is going to be the next one, the MST3KA reunion. Um... If you can't make it on Tuesday, June 28th, they do have an encore on Tuesday, July 12th. So, again, I encourage you to go. It's, it should be a good time. Uh, so, with that, we're going to segue into something about Captain America. And with that, i play this.
All right, so that is that was just a little music from the first Captain America movie. Um, in the news, Captain America is getting a lot of press these days, and there's two places he's getting two things he's got to press for. The first thing is in the movies. There's a starting to be this strong. There's this big push that's going around on the internet that Captain America should be made in. Be, they should make Captain America gay, and specifically, they want him to have uh, a homosexual relationship with Bucky Barnes, who is the Winter Soldier. So this is the first bit of news, Captain America wise. And I'm going to say this, and this is not even because. It's, I'm going to say that this is a really s bad idea, and hopefully Marvel will not take it seriously. Even Stan Lee wasn't a very big fan of it. And the reason is, it's not... It's not Okay, for me, obviously I have, as a conservative Missouri Synod Lutheran, um, as one who believes what Scripture teaches, my views on homosexuality is that it's a sin... And it's not to be embraced. But, with that being said, and being upfront with what, where I stand, I still, that is not actually the reason why I don't want them to turn him gay. The reason is because it just doesn't make sense from a plot point of view. Because if you watched the, sh the film... It is completely clear and obvious he is attracted to women. The first movie, he had an incredibly romantic, powerful relationship with Peggy Carter. And he spent time with her up to her death. And you have in the, in the other movies, you have him clearly interested in women. It makes no sense from a narrative standpoint, to just randomly turn him gay. And the other thing is, is just because Bucky Barnes and Steve Rogers have a really close friendship, doesn't mean that they have to be gay. And on a slight side issue, not to go too deep into this, this is actually an argument against the embracing of homosexuality. Believe it or not. This is actually, if you ever read, there's a, um, there's an article or a, a document that came out many years ago, a few years ago. So there's this document that came out a few years ago. It was called, the title of it is, What is Marriage, Man and Woman a Defense? And it's written by Sharif Girgis and Ryan T. Anderson. I may have mispronounced that. And... It is a very interesting document, and one of its arguments against the redefining of redefinition of marriage is that it actually ruins friendship. And an example of this in movies has been the relationship between Frodo and Sam in the Lord of the Rings films. Many people believe and argue that the two were gay. And here again, we have the same thing. With the Captain America film. So all of a sudden people are seeing Bucky Barnes and Steve Rogers had this incredibly close, uh, you know, bromance, as it's sometimes called. And people say they have to be gay. Another thing is another one that's also happened in, um, 
in the Star Wars movies. Poe Dameron and uh, Finn. Both of them, people are calling for them to be gay. Why can't two guys be re really good friends without being gay? See, that is the problem in our culture. Is that this is what has developed in, a, in light of a world that is so heavily embracing of homosexuality is that you can't have strong friendships in, in anything. Men are afraid to have strong friendships with another man with, because they're going to be perceived as being gay, which is utter stupidity that exists in our culture. No, and the thing is, it only happens with men, because you don't often see this with women, where two women are extremely close to each other. No one ever perceives, oh, they must be a lesbian. It only seems to go that way with men and men. And so, it's, and it might have something to do with the male psyche, I don't know. There might be more complicated nature to that. But like I said, I think it's, it's a really, really bad move, and it's kind of reflective of our society. And there's a set, and so this leads me to another thing going on with Captain America. The other more the big the other big thing going on in Captain America is the news in the comic books. This is a comic book thing. In the comic books, they just there was an issue that came out, and at the very end, it shows Captain America saying two words: "Hail Hydra." Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the comic books. Hydra is basically the Nazis of the Marvel Universe, right? And so, at the end of this book, you find Captain America has been a Nazi, or a Hydra, ever since he was a kid. And this is the... They better have a very good way to explain that it was that he never was. It's not true, he never was. Because if he was even the least bit Hydra, it's a bad story move on the part of Marvel. It's awful, it's horrible from a historical standpoint, and it is destroying a significant character in all of comic books. Alright? This is like... I think out of all the comic book characters, of the comic book characters that you could turn villain, the absolute worst one to do that with is Steve Rogers. And the reason is, this is even worse than Superman going evil. Granted, that's pretty risky too, but I think that would be the problem with Superman going evil is because hardly anybody could beat him. But I'm talking about from just an ideological point, because Captain America is a character that stands for something. And you could go back to my podcast a few weeks ago. Um, I did a, an extensive review of all three Captain America movies. And I talked about this is one of the character traits of Captain America. And you saw it in the films. Is this unwavering stance of always doing what is right. No matter what. He is unwavering. That is who he is. He is the he was the guy. I mean, in an age where there is there are no heroes, we have politicians are constantly lying to us, where people are lying to us left and right, where there seems to be no heroes. It was great for kids to read about this character, 
And yes, he's fiction, and we don't have people like that in real life. I, I acknowledge that. But it's good for kids to see somebody like that. To read about a virtuous knight, or in this case, a virtuous soldier. And that they would aspire to be like him. This soldier is, this character is a character that could inspire kids if they've been watching the movies. He is a person who inspired soldiers who were off overseas during World War II. And to make it, so for Marvel to make all of a sudden rewrite the entire history of this character that he was always Hydra in the first place is a slap in the face to this country and it reveals the ideological system that is running in Marvel. And that is, or at least for some people, and that is a deep-seated nihilism. And in, a, in an age where we need heroes, we need to be hearing about heroes. I mean, think of that... Um, in the movie Avengers, there's a part where uh, Captain America is on the pl is on a plane, and he talks to Agent Coulson, and Agent Coulson says that he says, you know, talks about you know preserving the suit, and to which Captain you know Captain America says, well, you know, the red, white, and blue, the stripes, isn't that a little out of fat, little old fashioned? And Agent Coulson's response, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, with what's going on, what's about to be revealed, people might need a little old-fashioned. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, we need, in this era, we need a little bit of old-fashioned. And Captain Rogers, Captain America, Steve Rogers, was that the little old-fashioned that we need, the kids need to be reading about. And yes, the stories might be getting old and stale for us, but their kids are growing up who've never read him, never read about Captain America. And now you're going to turn him Hydra, turn it that this one unwavering hero would waver. So, I think it's a really, really bad move on the part of Marvel. And so two big news stories on Captain America that don't make sense. They're trying to, they're messing up with the movie, the movie character who really doesn't need fixed. And they're messing with the comic book character. Yes, it's upsetting people. But the thing is, a surprising upsetting people isn't always good. Look at Iron Man 3. The surprise in that movie was a surprise, yeah, but it wasn't a good surprise. And the same thing here. This is a surprise, yes, but it's not a good one. So Marvel better have something really good up their sleeves to undo what they have done here. So that's what I have on Captain America. Like I said, it's a pretty big news going on. 
um, in the world of comics revolving around that character. And hopefully they don't make him gay in the comic, in the movies. If they want to have a gay hero, create a hero that happens to be gay. I mean, I seriously, this is an annoying thing going on with comics. It's like, you know, we need more female superheroes. I know, let's just turn Thor into a woman. Well, here's the deal. Why not create a character that have a good character that happens to be a woman? I mean, how inferior does pop culture or Hollywood or comic book industry, whoever, how inferior do they think women are that they believe women cannot have a character in and of, of themselves? Have they not seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer? An enormously popular character to this day. And you know what? She was not replacing uh, Joey Jojo the Vampire Slayer. She didn't replace some guy. She was the first Vampire Slayer that we heard of. She got famous on her own accord. Why can't we do this with other female characters? The whole thing of, I mean, same thing with the Ghostbusters movie coming out this summer. Why do they have to turn female? Could women not create their own creative story on their own? But they have to piggyback on the success of a, a male character? Honestly, it's degrading to women when you actually logically think about it. So, same thing with, you know, having a character that's gay. If you want to make, have a gay superhero, make them gay. Make a character that's make a character who happens to be gay. Don't have to change an already established character. Because again, you're also even degrading to somebody who's gay. It's like ah, you can't get by on your own. The only way you could succeed is by uh, stealing, cheating by us. By piggybacking on the success of a straight character. Again, it's kind of degrading, really, even. So, so like I said, hopefully they don't go with all this. Um, all the, and so, with that, we're going to go lead into... There's two movies I saw this week, and here... This last weekend, and so here comes the first one. It's my husband. He's gone missing. Missing? I'm terribly worried. It's just Fred's never been gone this long before. How long has he been missing? Since the funeral. Well, I can start right away. You're a private investigator? My profession is very complicated, okay? It's nuanced. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. You beat people up and charge money? Sad, isn't it? How much would you charge to beat up my friend Janet? What? How much you got? 20 bucks? That's good. This conversation is over. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, my daughter, Amelia, is involved. Please, find her. You seen this girl? Was it for me? Oh, we can do this the easy way. No! We're currently doing it the easy way. Whatever happened to offering me 20 bucks? It's a recession. This is a high-profile case. Make the newspapers. Oh, you know, there's a guy coming to kill us. That kind of crap. Oh, it's so, so, so 
professional. I'm sorry. She's in danger, man. We have to do something about it. She's dead. She's not dead. She's not dead. She's not dead. Century. Let's deal with the rotting corpse. We got a plan. All right, so that is from the movie Nice Guys. It came out uh, a couple last Friday. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It was actually there's three movies that came out that weekend. There's Nice Guys, uh, there's Angry Birds, and there's Neighbors Two. And out of the, the movies that came out last weekend, this was the third best movie box office-wise. And yet, and, and it was actually fourth overall because Captain America's Civil War was still, um, you know, the top was actually second place, not far behind Angry Birds. But even though it was only the fourth movie box office-wise, it actually was the best reviewed of the new movies that weekend. Um... Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm going to quickly bring up here on my web on my computer. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave Nice Guys 91%, which means it actually got better reviews than uh, Captain America: Civil War. Uh, and so it's kind of it's actually kind of interesting. Is um, as we are done with all the all the movies for May have been released. This summer is starting out to, sh to shape out to not be a very strong uh, summer, movie-wise. Uh, you know, going back to March, uh, really since Fe the year as a whole, really, um, there have been three good movies, really, this year. Uh, Captain America Civil War, The Nice Guys, and The Jungle Book. I mean, at least going back to March. The rest of the movies have really come out this year have been pretty weak. Um, I don't know if they, I would say that they've been all horribly awful, but there has not been anything really good. And even Nice Guys, I don't know if I totally qualify it because it wasn't the major release. A lot of people didn't even know about Nice Guys. People know about Neighbors 2 because it's on all, the, on all the news shows and the talk shows. Angry Birds because it's based off of a ridiculously popular uh, computer game. And so people know about those movies, but Nice Guys just, you know, only made 11 million on its opening weekend. And with a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, that tells you it was, you know, well reviewed. So the reviews didn't scare people away. It did not get the press. And so the big movies that have come out this year, we've really only seen two good ones Civil War and Jungle Book, not including those two big movies in Feb. Um, you know, basically since the start of the big the summer run, and I'm kind of roping in a Batman v Superman in there. It's 
it's been a weak year so far. And who knows, maybe June, July, it's in August, they're going to pick things up. But at the moment, it's not looking very good. Nice Guys as a movie is... Um, it's a very funny movie. Um, and actually, right at the outset, I love the look of it. Um, it starts out with, um, you know, this old, you know, 70s style, you know, 70s styles music. Uh, the logo for Warner Brothers, they pop up the old Warner Brothers logo uh, that you saw back in the 70s. And it starts out with, like, the voiceover, like your classic uh, noir film. And and it ended up being a you know a, ended up with some decent action, but the biggest thing is it was just a funny movie. Uh, Russell Crowe and um, I'm having a Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are the main cast members in the movie. Uh, they both have great performances. Uh, Russell Crowe plays the role of this guy who's well, his old job is he just beats up people. Uh, Ryan Gosling, he's a private investigator who is kind of bad at what he does. He's lazy and takes shortcuts, uh, things like that. And so, which creates a lot of uh, uh, comedic moments. Uh, Andrew Ree Rice, who plays uh, Ryan Gosling's character, um, his daughter, uh is a really funny character in there, really good young actress that's been brought on. <coughs> it's, honestly, it's just a really good movie. Um, the only complaint I have in the movie, it kind of pulls a little bit of a political jargon at the, towards the end of the movie, and it kind of got, a, that was a little annoying, and, it, and not only because I, didn't, I was a big fan of the Case was making, but also because it just didn't fit into the movie. The movie was so ridiculous and goofy and such a goofy type humor, um, so much satire that it didn't really make sense to bring in at the very end uh, a political argument. It just didn't really fit that well into the movie. So that was kind of a little annoyed me. But beyond that, it was a good movie. Um, if you're along with most of the country that has, for whatever reason, not seen it, and you, I recommend it. The only thing I would caution is it does have nudity in it. And it's, and it's got some deals with the... Um, I mean, it has to do with... Uh, like a porn actress is one the first person who dies at the beginning. And so, okay, some of the content would not be suitable for younger audiences, uh, less mature audiences, so uh, keep that in mind. But otherwise, I'd say it's a good movie. Um, on a scale of a five-star scale, um, I would give it three and a half out of five. So, uh, like I said, good movie, worth seeing. Uh, the next movie I am going to review is the movie that just came out on this Monday, this Friday that just passed, uh, which is X-Men Apocalypse, and here is its trailer. Things are better. The world is better. Just because there's not a war doesn't mean there's peace. He's coming. Some 
call him Apocalypse. He was some kind of god. For thousands of years, he's been amassing mutants to take their powers. He always had four followers. Like the four horsemen. Eric, don't join them. Whatever it is you think you saw in me, I buried it with my family. Together, we will cleanse the earth. Everything they've built will fall! And from the ashes of their world, we'll build a better one! I've never felt power like this before. They took him, Raven. The world needs the X-Men. Students look up to you. If I'm going to teach your kids something, I'm going to teach them how to fight. Follow me. To her. I'm not afraid of him. Magneto, he's my father. What? Remember my mom? They did. Yeah, I know. Not all of us can control our powers. Then don't. It means to destroy this world. It's all of us against a god. The most powerful beings on earth. So that is the preview for X-Men Apocalypse, uh, which came out on yesterday, Friday, uh, May 27th. And my review on this movie is kind of a little, it's a little mixed. And see, here's the thing is, X-Men Apocalypse to some degree falls victim to its own movies. Uh, X-Men First Class was a very, was a good movie. Uh, it had a good plot. Um, the villains weren't perfect in it, but it had a decent story, um, and it had a nice little theme going in it that, um, you know, kind of worked its way throughout the story, and you could definitely tell that X-Men was learning, uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and make, giving better quality to their films, but with that being, and so then you had Days of Future Past, that was also a very good movie, even better than X-Men First Class. And so you had two really good movies that were well-written. And then you come to X-Men Apocalypse, and which kind of made it, brought the expectation levels of this movie a little high. And so, and if, plus it's on the, you know, only a few weeks after um, Captain America Civil War, it's got pretty tall um pretty tall order to try to match what it did and so 
in the end, the movie ends up being uh, entertaining and some great action. And as much as it did, the movie felt weak. And the plot wasn't exactly the strongest. It had, I think the cast did really good with what they had. And I mean, everybody did good with what they did. Um, you know, from the new Dream Grey actor. Um, uh, so Sophie Turner is playing Jean Grey. Uh, she's probably best known as Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones. Uh, she does a good performance. Well, she's pretty good in Game of Thrones as well. Um, Ty Sheridan did good as Scott Summers. And I love the relationship they're starting to build uh, between Scott Summers and Jean Grey. And it kind of adds a little bit to that. Oscar Isaac did good as as Apocalypse. Um, Michael Fassbender, as always, does great as Magneto. And so, I mean, there's all these, you know, pretty well done act performances in this movie. The problem is that... Oh yeah, even oh yeah, Evan Peters comes back as Quicksilver, who's really funny. The problem in this movie is they don't really get a handle on the story. They don't give a little more thought to it. And oh yeah, by the way, Wolverine does make an, a, a surprise appearance in the movie as Hugh Jackman. You know, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. He actually isn't Wolverine in that he's actually labeled as Weapon X. And he's wearing the classic Weapon X gear that's famous from the comic books. And it's actually the best Wolverine I've seen. Uh, without him saying hardly a word, he comes through and he just tears through um, this facility. And I love what they did with that. Um, but with that being said... Uh, the X-Men the, oh, yeah, they, also, oh, yeah, they also brought in Jubilee they never mentioned that she is Jubilee in there but she definitely looked and she's Chinese American and she was wearing the you know the classic yellow jacket um, very much likely Jubilee um, I have a feeling they'll probably dip into her character later but the way they did Apocalypse is the part that actually kind of bugs me the most. And and it even appeared that they kind of brought in the Phoenix with Jean Grey. Because I was hoping that they would write the ship with what they did with Jean Grey in um, X-Men X, X3. Because the thing is, is the Phoenix is not supposed to be something that Jean Grey inherently has, possesses. It's actually something that she receives. The Phoenix is her own being. And they seem to be going the same direction they did with X-Men 3. And I really wish they wouldn't. And then you have the whole thing um, with Apocalypse. Like, watching what they did with Apocalypse, I'm not so certain they watched a single, read a single Apocalypse comic. It seemed like they looked at a comic book, they saw what he looked like in a drawing, and has very basic ideas about him, and boom, they're done. Beyond that, they did nothing, and they didn't totally understand how he works. 
The fact that, you know, there's a scene in there where Understand, this is comic book nerd speaking. Um, you know, Professor X attaches, attacks um, Apocalypse's mind. And in the comics, he's never able to do that. Um, Apocalypse is just too powerful. And so if anybody's... I'm, I've, probably, I've probably got too much into this. I probably unintentionally gave a little bit of a spoiler. Uh... And the spoiler I gave, you probably already knew because they showed it to some degree in the trailers. Uh, so, all in all, the movie isn't awful. It's watchable. And I think anybody that's a fan of X-Men, of comic book movies, should go see it just once. Or at least wait until it's out on Redbox and go rent it. But with that, other than that... Um, I would give on a scale of on a five star scale, I would give uh me I'd say three stars. It's kind of really iffy. I'm not sure if I want to go two and a half or three, but I'm gonna go with three. So three out of five stars is what I would give it. So um that's X-Men Apocalypse. Uh enjoy it has definitely had things I liked about it. I don't regret watching it. I wasn't bored. Just didn't like certain things they did, and it wasn't. It definitely is a letdown overall, given what we saw with X Men First Class and what we saw in X Men Days of Future Past. So, uh, with that uh, in mind, uh, we're going to move on to the main movie of this podcast, and that movie is as follows. Duncan, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think you are? A 6. I think you're a 3. Since I've been dating your mom, I don't see you putting yourself out there, bud. You can try to get that score up at my beach house this summer. Who's this in all this awkward glory? This is my son, Duncan. I was going to name my youngest Duncan, but we went with Peter. Finally, fixed his lazy eye, now it's even worse. Boop, boop. Just stare at the bridge of his nose, that's what I do. He's a worse parent. There's a message in the skies and in the streets. Hey, somebody, you need to wear that. Mom, why do I have to wear this? Nobody else does. Sex hair, huh? Something like that. It's like spring break for adults. This is Joan and Kip. I'm the one who's not grinding on you right now. Enjoy therapy. Fred, I'm gonna have to ask you to leave. You're having way too much fun. It's making everyone uncomfortable. Wow! I'm just kidding. That wasn't even my best stuff. Come on. Just hold there for a second. This guy's an artist. Watch and learn. And you are holding? Still holding? Just about ready to hold. You think it's over I need you to reorder more mats. Did it? Finish the work schedule for next week. Did it? So you know I'm gonna check all that stuff, right? Oh, in that case, I didn't do any of that. How do you make more money than I do? That's the one you wait for, my man. Somebody do some odd jobs, clean up some vomit. Definitely. Does your mom know you worked here? Who's that big guy? Is this sick girl? What are you doing over here talking to us? Well, maybe, Roddy, if you guys hadn't called me over here. Please let your lady friend know that this conversation was entirely about her. Nor, it's a long time to be nowhere. Well, that's where I was. Duncan, if we were going to make this work, then there has to be trust. Mom's boyfriend called me a three. Who says that to somebody? That's about him. That's got nothing to do with you. How do you know? Because I know. You gotta go your own way. And you, my friend, are going your own way. This is the only place I'm happy. My doctor said not to get water on my face! 
please. Hold. Just hold there. All right, so that is the movie, uh, The Way, Way Back. It stars Steve Carell, Tony Collette, uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, amongst some other uh, actresses. And it's a... It is a very good movie, and that I saw, it came out in 2013. And it's a coming-of-age movie. It's about this kid who goes with his, his mother... His mom's boyfriend and her the boyfriend's daughter. So the boyfriend is Steve Carell. The mother is Tony Collette. The boy, his name is Duncan, played by Liam James. So I think does a really good job with his character, especially with the way the character progresses through the movie. Um, so Duncan is you know going with them to this cabin house, and he's going to spend the summer. With his mom and this boyfriend who they're trying out to see if they could one day be a family. And what you figure out very, very early on, the reason it's called The Way, Way Back, is the very first scene of the movie is that um, he's sitting in the way, way back of the station wagon. So in the station wagon, there's like three rows. There's the row where the, where the driver is. Then you have the next row, and then there's the way, way back, and that's where he's at. And he's looking out the back of the mirror, that's the way the movie begins, and that's the way the movie ends. And, and so that's what's called the way, way back. He is in the way, way back. And the thing is, he sits there in that movie, at the beginning, he is in the way, way back by himself, feeling isolated, feeling alone. And you can see why right away. When Steve Carell, and Steve Carell, by the way, if you've seen other movies with him, for the most part, uh, when you watch a Steve Carell movie, he tends to be a very likable guy. I've never, and up until this movie, although it kind of changed because he had, um, the movie Foxcatcher came out, and that kind of changed my view. But other than Foxcatcher, which came out a little bit later, the movies I saw with Steve Carell, he was always likable. One of the nicest people. Apparently in Hollywood, amongst the Hollywood actors, he really is one of the nicest people there are. And so, the guy that you see in a lot of his shows and his movies, it's actually not far off from who he is. And so, this movie was unique because it's the first one that got me to really have a character where I hate, I did not like Steve Carell. And so there he is, you know, he's in the front there, and he he's, hollers back to Duncan and says, Duncan, on a scale of 1 to 10, what are What do you think you are? And he eggs him on, and, he, and Duncan says 6, which, by the way, shows right there that the kid does not have a lot of confidence in himself. I think most people, if you have, I mean, there's some people that have, if you have a super ego, you call yourself a 10, but I think a lot of people give problems. Say, oh, I'd say I'm an eight, seven or eight, because people don't want to be too high on themselves and admit they want to improve. But six tells you, I mean, on a on a grade scale, that's a sixty percent. So he sees himself as below average. But if that wasn't bad enough, his grader, as he views himself, Trent, who Steve Crowd plays, Trent says to Duncan. I think you're a three. I mean, again, on a grade scale, that means you're less than failing. 
worse than fail. It means you're absolutely almost worthless to the world. And how, you know, how humiliating, dehumanizing that he says this. And this basically sets the course of the movie to let you know the relationship between Trent and Duncan. And, you're, and you slowly realize, and the fact that anybody would say that lets you know that Trent is a jerk. And this plays out throughout the movie. And one little thing that I liked was when they first pull into the town, uh, Duncan is in the back seat. And after having just heard this from Trent, and he looks straight forward, and he sees this person in a car in this convertible, this yellow convertible, and he just gives this nice little smile to Duncan. And that makes Duncan smile for but a moment. And this becomes significant later because... And this is something I've seen the movie now several times. And it's something I didn't really make point of until after I watched a couple times later. Is that this guy that's smiling... Because I didn't know who the actors are in. I wasn't really paying attention to it in that detail. And when I looked back... Wait a minute. The guy that smiled at him ends up playing a bigger role. And... So anyway, so he gets, they get to the house. Um, you're meted by Betty, who's played by Alice and Jenny, uh, who apparently has been on some other shows. I don't know her very well. Um, my mom knew her, which tells makes me a little embarrassed. My mom knew this actress. I didn't. But she, she's a character the first time you meet her. She's drunk. She's easily seduced or whatever. And she seems really obnoxious, and to some degree she probably is. But you figure out very quickly in the movie that... You don't realize this until the very end of the movie, that this lady actually seems to be alright. And it's even more evidence through her kids. So you have her daughter, and you have her son, who end up turning out to be really cool people. And you don't know this at first, but eventually it gets revealed. Um... And they settle in, and then you get reviewed. Then it's, you find out that Steph, who's Trent's daughter, is not a very easy to get along with. She's kind of stuck up. Uh, she does the classic uh, Valley Girl thing. She's like, uh, "Hello, Susan. We're supposed to go swimming, or whatever she says." I can't do that very well, but that type of thing. And she does it kind of well. And makes her obnoxious. But the thing that's kind of interesting is you see her later in the movie at different moments. And you hear her talking normal. And you can see that this is not really totally her. She herself is actually kind of been messed up by a messed up father figure. And a messed up deal with his own her own parents. And you start, you kind of see this. And she's kind of this weird side character you can't really get a grasp on. The movie doesn't really let you do so. And I, and I know the movie's not trying to, but it does, you do see some layers to the character. And it makes you wonder, what is she really? I mean, she herself has got to be confused. But you're not really let in too much into that. But the movie very quick, very early lets you see that even though Duncan is lost in the midst of this experimental summer, so is his mother, Pam, who's played by Tony Collette. 
And there's scenes, and there's wonderful moments throughout the movie that kind of let you in on this connection. Um, <clears throat> there's one point where, in, early in the movie where Pam, Trent, Duncan, and then their friends Kip and Joan are all sitting there and eating dinner. And Duncan is absolutely miserable because he hates, I mean, he's just a kid with, you know, a bunch of adults acting like teenagers. And so he's completely out of place and he decides, and finally he's dismissed from the table and he goes, goes off. And there's this one little moment where you see his mom staring off in the distance towards her son and you see that she is just as lost and confused as he is. And I thought it was a nice little shot. And you see these... And by the way, Toni Collette does a really, really good job with her role. And she's got a good character. An interesting character. and Because you know she loves her son. And she wants what is best for him. But at the same time, she doesn't want to be alone. You know, she doesn't want to be lonely. She wants to have someone. And she's with this guy, even though you kind of get this vibe that she might be questioning him. And yet she's, it's, it's a very nice character dynamic going on here. And, and along the way, uh, Duncan gets, moves away from the beach, which, which tells you something. You know, it kind of gets highlighted by a quote by... By the way, gets highlighted later. But, you know, he's he lives on the beach with the ocean right there. But he goes inland to this water park and starts hanging out. And it's there where he meets this... Well, I actually met him a little bit earlier. But it's the same guy that smiled to him from that yellow convertible, played by Sam Rockwell. It's this guy named Owen who manages the water park. And this is what leads into this whole, you know, coming-of-age movie and this whole story, this kid finding himself, finding who he is. And But the thing is that a lot of coming-of-age stories, when you watch these movies, I mean, there's a lot of them tend to have this thing of the challenge of a new father or a new mom or whatever in the story that complicates things. But they don't often have it where the family is so... And the situation at home is like as dysfunctional as this one is. And like I said, it's very dysfunctional. And it slowly gets revealed. And so this... This park that's called Water Wiz almost becomes an oasis for Duncan. A place of refuge where he can finally start to love life and enjoy life. And there's so many good moments in this uh, part of the movie. And there's some, you know, there's great characters, uh, you know, Roddy and Lewis played by Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, who both happen to be writers and directors of this movie. Um, and some of the, you see some of the other people that are working there. Um, Maya Rudolph, who plays Caitlin, and kind of reminds me of back when I was younger, and and I worked at the movie, I worked at Golden Corral, worked at the movie theater, and the relationships you developed there, and this 
movie did a really good job of developing uh, what is um, these these relationships, and so developing this kind of atmosphere. The thing that so here's where the move what's the strength of this movie and so. The movie has a lot of good, like it's a really well written story. Um, very good details on the directing, some strong performances. Many of them are by less than known actors. Some of them are familiar actors, and um, some good directional shots. These, by the way, the guys that directed this movie um, also directed the movie The Descendants, which is another really good movie. That I'll probably review in the, sometime in the future. The thing that... The only thing I have... Only gripe I have with this writing... Is there's two little points. Is I wish they would have covered whether or not... Kip and Joan are married. Are they married or are they not? They're always together. But we can't tell are these just happen to be... Two really good friends or are they married? They don't really make that clear. Um... Because if it was, what happens with Trent, because Trent eventually uh, starts cheating on Pam with, uh, with Joan, when it gets revealed to everybody, Kip does not get really furious at Trent. So either they're married with an open relationship, or they're not married, they just happen to be good friends. So I wish the movie would make a little clarity on that. And secondly... At the very beginning of the movie, there's this little point where uh, Betty says to Pam, like, are you going to talk to the Keegans? And the question is, who are the Keegans? Why bring them up? Is, you know, are Kip and Joan the Keegans? Or is it somebody else? Who are the Keegans? So, uh, just kind of little minor things in which the movie would have kind of covered those things were kind of like, why bring this up? Um... But the rest of the, but the movie is by and large a very good movie. Um, on a scale of four to four out of five stars, but out of five stars, I'd give it four. I'd say four out of five. Um, quality movie. I enjoy watching it, and there's definitely moments that get me emotional. And here's and this is actually leads me into why I use the what. There's a nice little message in this movie. And, because I look specifically at the character of Owen, played by Sam Rockwell. You have this kid who plays, uh, who's in a very messed up situation. And, and meanwhile, he's trying to figure out who he himself is. And while he's struggling with this, he finds a connection with this guy, Owen. And Owen, by all intents and purposes, if you look at him, is really a bit of a loser. He's not exactly a model manager. That's clear. And he's probably not going to rise too high in life, given what you see. Maybe, maybe he would. I don't know. But there's nothing that just stands out since this guy's remarkable. But the thing is, you watch through the movie, you realize that this guy, while he is the manager of this water park, you have all these people 
who know him by name, who attach themselves to him. And like, tell us a story, Owen. Tell us, Owen. And everybody wants to listen to him, and they love him. And they enjoy talking to him. And then you have this character, you know, you have this Duncan show up, and he connects to Duncan. He's, he pay, he's attentive to him. And helps Duncan to see value in himself. To, you know, to lead him to carve his own way. I mean, that's how we got to the water park. He carved his own path there. And this guy took, you know, helped this guy through a really tough time. And, you know, there's some really uh, great moments in this movie. And... You know, I'm a pastor, as you know. And as a pastor, I, spend a, I like spending time uh, working with especially younger kids. And the reason is, is very much what you see in this movie, is it's opportunity to be somebody to, to kids as they're growing up. Um, life isn't always easy. Complicated, it's difficult, and there's a lot of kids that are in messed up homes. And I hope that some way, somehow, God uses me to impact these kids, to impact their lives. And I see in this movie, you see this guy Owen doing that, and you know, when he has this really, really bad night. You know, he finds out that, you know, he, he fully confronts uh, Trent about his cheating. He finds out his mom was hiding the fact that her, his dad didn't want him. So he feels betrayed by his mother. His, he knows his dad doesn't want him. This girl who's next door, um, who he's really been trying to get to like, um, her name is uh, is Susanna, played by Anna Sophia Robb. And is really getting to like her. And she seems to reject him. And it seems like he's got nothing. Nobody. And here's the... Here's this last conversation he says. He's talking to Owen. He says... I wish I could stay here forever. Owen responds, Yeah, you're going to you're gonna love the winters. They're pretty spectacular. Painting houses until it gets too cold, bar backing at some dive, talking to inanimate objects. I'm serious. Yeah, so am I. There's a whole world out there for you, Duncan. Don't settle. Not yet. Duncan responds, This is the only place I'm happy. What's going on? I hate him. Who? Trent. My mom's boyfriend. He said I was a three. He asked me what I thought I was on a scale from one to ten. He called me a three. Who says that to somebody? Someone who doesn't know you. I didn't want to have to answer. 
I shouldn't have to answer. Listen to me. That's about him, man. That's all about him. It's got nothing to do with you. Yeah? How do you know? Because I know, okay? Don't worry about how I know. My dad was the same way. That's why I don't like patterns and rules. And why you can't buy into that crap. you got to go your own way. And you, my friend, are going your own way. So this guy, Duncan, you can see it from the beginning of the movie when he smiled to him when he was in the back seat, when he gives him a ride home on the, you know, the 4th of July. You see that Owen took this intentional effort to help this kid. And this kid was a new, completely new person by the end of the summer. And by the way, this speaks to the strength of the acting of Duncan. And... You know, Owen, played by Sam Elliott, uh, not Sam Elliott, Sam Rockwell, sorry. Um, he, too, you know, played this character really well. And and I won't lie, I get emotional at some of the parts. Uh, there's one part in here that I just read the quotes. I'm on I Internet Movie Database, and I just read the quote, and it almost makes me want to tear up just thinking about the scene. Because in the very beginning of the scene, the very beginning, uh, towards the beginning of the movie, Owen asks Duncan, Do you, would you like a job at the water, water park? And he started, you know, he's not, Owen takes a while to talk, uh, or Duncan takes a while to talk, and Owen says, well, there's been faster conversations. And he finally says, um... You know, yeah, I, I'd love to work there. So he ends up getting the job, and he works there, and he grows up. And he start, and he really matures during that time when he becomes confident. And But at the very end, because he eventually leaves, they leave the town because of the big spill out at the barbecue. And there's this the goodbye to Owen. And Owen says... Unable to say anything. Well, faster conversations. And Duncan just hugs him. Says, thank you for everything. And you see this other moment just beforehand where, you know, Trent, Tredge tries to grab Duncan. And Owen stands right in front of him and says, oh, you must be Trent. I'm a friend of the three. And I never understood that... I. I admit I didn't get that the first few times because I was like, the three, who's the, th okay, Owen, his mother, that's two, who's the third person? And I realized that I, I'm stupid, I admit it. I don't catch things always. But, uh, you know, he called, Trent called him a three and, and Owen heard that story and Owen said, I'm a friend of this one you called the three. And, it's such a powerful moment, and and I see that movie, and I you know, you who are out there, or listen, may be listening. I know this is a long podcast of record, and I'm over an hour already, and but you have people, and you have it doesn't matter where you are in your life, you have the ability to impact someone. 
You know, we live in a world where there's so much sorrow, so much grief. There's so many broken homes, so much divorce. Many children who have parents that never did bother to get married. Or the father ran off or the mother ran off. And they need someone. Someone to make them feel special. For those of you who happen to be managers at a business where you work with a lot of teenagers, you have a unique opportunity. I mean, don't just take in the fact that you're going to make money and you could use these kids to do it. Think about how you could grow these kids. Lead them to be better. I know from my, my time when I worked at Golden Corral, when I worked at the movie theater, I grew, I matured. You have a unique opportunity to do the same. And, you know, if you watch this movie the way, way back, if you haven't, and if you have watched it or if you haven't seen it, go see it. You watch this movie, look what Owen does. And ask yourself, who, how can you be that way for another? Owen, you can tell it's his second nature by the way he reacted with other people at that park. And he impacts kids' lives. So... What could we do for the same? So that's my thoughts on the movie The Way Way Back. Um, it's a good movie. Uh, like I said, it could get me emotional at times because there's some really beautiful, touching scenes in that movie. Uh, good performances, well written. Uh, so uh, with all that in mind, uh, I'm going to leave you with that. That's all I have for the weekend. Um, for next week, I have a couple things... I might do a special, another podcast on Monday, uh, specifically themed after Memorial Day, the Memorial Day celebration. And then um, later I will be doing an Alice in Wonderland themed episode. Uh, so I'll probably try to catch up with the new Alice in Wonderland movie. And then I'll watch the new one, the old one. Uh, and I'm talking specifically the ones that Tim Burton did. And I might also review the Warcraft movie because it's also coming out next weekend. So that's the plans for next week. Um, I pray this was all a blessing to you, got you thinking, whatever. Uh, the Lord bless you and keep you in your days and your life and whatever he has for you. Um, again, I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is a recording of the Key Row Film Society. Thank you and God bless.